0: Hello and welcome to Wonder Chaos. My name is Anna Gammons and I am joined by artist Kate Doherty and physicist and Nobel Prize winner Konstantin Novozolov. This is the podcast where we explore different topics from different perspectives to hopefully strengthen our understanding and our connection to each other and the world around us. And today we are talking about networks. It's another huge topic with lots to talk about. Kate, Kostya, what are you thinking when I say networks?
1: Well, I guess network is uh, a, a set of interlinked objects or or ideas, and probably the most interesting uh, feature about networks that when you touch or change the uh, one of them, you would it would create a response, but it's very difficult to predict where where and which what kind of response. You would get it can get some uh, some response in the immediate environment or really far away and that's why those this long this long distance uh, the, uh, this non locality is very interesting about networks.
2: Uh, I think of like a sort of stringy blanket for me. It's a very sort of visual thing, and um, uh, and I think of strength. Um, and uh, and actually, I think of things that you can put inside networks and sort of hold hold up huge ideas or huge concepts of um, uh, things like society that is formed of various networks and systems that 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 make it that, that make the possibility of individual happiness, I suppose, appear. I had a dream last night thinking about these networks and systems and thinking of um nation states where there aren't strong networks and systems I saw a, uh, a few documentaries and um I read a few books not so recently um about the Congo where all of the networks and systems that had been put in place Had fallen apart, and you have um, uh, empty hospitals, abandoned schools, um, and uh, and and the roads have fallen apart. And I was thinking about um, about this also with my my son, who uh, was talking about anarchy and saying um, that we didn't need any systems and networks, that we shouldn't need law or um, any kind of boundary um and i was trying to explain to him that um that if there are a few structures societal structures in place it means that things are easier you don't have to take care of the of the of the basic minimum you can be sure that if you fall off your bike there will be a hospital that if you have a child it can go to a school um and that you can drive it to the school and so on and um uh and I and I guess I was feeling a bit disappointed in myself for becoming old and conventional in my thinking, I suppose, <laughs> with regards to this particular subject.
1: <laughs> I think it's a good. I think it's a good place to start because. Uh, so, how do we build a network so it would be it would be stable? So, I guess there are certain rules how you can build how you can build it and it can be either stable or you always need some um some uh juggling to support it otherwise it would it would it would fall apart and i mean the this the the story with with e u since you are in Greece and anna is in, is in is in the u k so Things are constantly needed to, to, to be supported. Otherwise, there is, there are always forces which, which pull this network, uh, apart. At the same time, we know there are friendship networks, friends, net, networks of friends or families networks, which are extremely strong. So I guess if you build your networks on some natural things, which are Natural for for human like love or or friendship. I, I know I'm a little bit um, I'm a little bit simplistic here, but I think it's it's actually true. So if the pillars which which we build the networks on upon are really rooted in our feelings, in our in our DNA, in our uh, in our morale is probably the wrong the wrong thing, but uh, but in our uh, in, in our ethics. nature mm. well ethics again I'm, I'm i'm not sure if that's if that's enough i think nature is more robust like the love the love to your uh to your family members is more than ethics is 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 more on the uh, in your in your nature and i guess friendship is also it's partly ethics but it's also it's, it's also nature so those networks are more stable what do you think mm.
2: Uh, definitely, yeah. And, um, and, and things that go against your, uh, essential, uh, human nature, um, are difficult to understand and, and difficult to, and difficult to stick to, of course. Which is, um, I don't know. As having been brought up, Kostya, in Russia during your childhood, did you feel, um, how did you feel about the system that you were, brought up in as a human being as a as a child did it did it occur to you or was it just there you took it you took it for granted
1: well okay i actually i have a very strong opinion about this and 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 that's why i'm trying to separate the ethics and uh, uh and human nature because of course The communist system or the socialist system is extremely ethical, right? Mm -hmm. So just, uh, it's, it's probably the most ethical system you can, you can imagine. But unfortunately, the experiment, which lasted worth 70 years, turned out to be unsuccessful. So it wasn't stable. And we see that those, those experiments. Because it
2: didn't acknowledge some aspects of human nature. Which absolutely.
1: Is. <laughs> absolutely. That's, so that's, yeah. uh, that's why I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, really trying to make a difference that those networks, which are built, or systems, indeed, as, as Anna pointed out, uh, which are built on the, on, which take, at least take into account, uh, human nature are more, are more stable, but it's actually very interesting that, that you asked, because I remember myself when I was um, five, seven, maybe ten, ten year old, and I remember how proud I was, and I I, I could wake up uh, in the night and think, "Gosh, why I'm so lucky? Why?" Because there are. Black people in the united states who don't have enough food and i am so what would happen if i would were born in the u k or in in the u s in the capitalistic system so we were so brainwashed that i was i was so um not even proud but feel but felt lucky. That I was, that I have everything here. It's the happiest country in the world. And, and I, and how could I be even more happy? And, and, and why, what, what did I do in the, in the past life to deserve it? Even though I I knew that there wasn't a a past life. So it was really, really interesting that uh, this, no, propaganda, brainwashing, which, I mean, the childhood of, 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 of any, of any child is, is of course the happiest time, right? So I guess you had the same, hopefully. No. No. <laughs> you didn't, you, you no. didn't feel that, that you live in the, in the happiest family and in the happiest time and in the happiest no. country. Because, uh, clearly, UK turned out to be more stable than uh, Than USSR, but uh, <laughs> but but at the same time, your feeling was the opposite. Yeah.
0: Kostya, can I ask you what your network was? If you were to describe your network growing up in Russia in terms of your family dynamic, that how did the network work? I think it'd be interesting to hear what, how you describe your childhood network.
1: Well, I guess the the reason I felt because uh, I felt that way is because my my network was very limited, and I saw a very plainer structure of the society. So we all had roughly the same and those. And so there were very little, very little differences. So some people could afford a car, some some people could not, but that's, it was like small, small, small differences, which of course in your mind would be inflated out of, out of proportion. So, and I guess uh, this, this equality really brought, uh, Came with the with this fact that I, ha- I had a feeling of this very stable society, and being very sure about your future because you everywhere you could see it was it was the same. And in your childhood, you don't need much, so you you took a you, you took a stick. You you pick up a stick, and it's your it's your gun or a horse or a or a hockey stick, and and that's that's all uh, that's. All you need so up to until certain time you don't you don't feel a need for for anything else and once you're you grow up and you need to again human human nature I guess picks up and you want to stand out and then you see this glass cylinder which through which you cannot you cannot um, you cannot punch through so then then this uh, this illusion, Start to start to fade. So, Kate, what what was your network around? I, I guess the uh, the uh, the this difference in the society, and you could see the the poor and the wealthy and the uh, and the commoners and aristocrats. So you could you could see many more. That,
2: that made me feel very uncomfortable. I felt like society was very unjust uh, when I was a child, and I just felt really. I felt like I didn't have a network, actually. I felt, uh, really, I felt really alone and, um, and, uh, and vulnerable and kind of lonely. I guess that's what made me start making things all the time. I just made things. So they used to, I give me loads of things to sew so I sewed a, a lot and I made like um villages and uh and kind of I just made made things I'd make like little towns in the garden out of stuff and in my bedroom and things and then um I suppose <laughs> this is becoming like really puzzle I we were talking yesterday with children how I was quite religious um and so i talked a lot to this picture that i had in my room <laughs> which i still have in my studio and um uh and then i went to boarding school when i was 10 and i started i suppose then to make i mean i always had loads of friends but not who i felt i really was kind of communicating with really and then i went to school and made loads of friends and there was a kind of there felt like there was a network like Meals were served at regular times and there was some, you know, people asked you how, how you were and, you know, there was, I wasn't just kind of, I felt very, very lonely as a child because I think there was no one there, you know, my parents were working very hard and my brothers were younger and kind of playing in their room. And so I guess the lack of a network <laughs> um, made me quite strong, perhaps, you might say.
1: No? So so, Kate. Can I just make a, an observation here? Because I think we 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 came with an interesting observation about networks. That when we think about networks, they're horizontal. They're never vertical. Like in my case, I had a lot of people on the same level, and that's why I felt that there is a network. In Kate's case, people were in different strata. And it immediately feels that there is no network. So for some reason, when we think about networks, they're always horizontal. The hierarchical structures are not networks. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why, but it's, uh, I mean, of course, in, in science, you would probably think that, uh, I, uh, actually I need to, I, I, I should admit I'm not, I'm not really well prepared here, whether, whether there is a different, a different, um, Name for networks with which are hierarchical and uh, and 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 which are not, but clearly uh, now we are, we just we are thinking about networks as only horizontal things.
0: This is this is really interesting to me that you guys both said initially when we started talking about networks you both went to the kind of family environment and also the sort of biological social need as humans to have networks because our lives are just made up of little mini networks and I thought it was a really nice way to start because these are things that your most valuable networks your family unit and your friendships and the things that you know your context and the, the network of your context. Um, I suppose there are hierarchical networks that are negative perhaps networks depends how we define network and clearly you two have both defined a network that had an impact on you in a kind of quite profound way
2: perhaps yeah vertical network is a system well
1: (laughs) i guess now as we start talking about this i really i really feel uncomfortable because i'm sure that people uh there are lots of works in mathematics what happens if you have if you start Make uh, certain networks, uh, certain nodes in the networks, uh, higher priority. What there should be some some observations about this. Of course, um, we know what happens when we start to make some connections higher priority. So that's how artificial intelligence operates. So you you select certain passes, and that's how you make a decision. So that's the the very basic about artificial intelligence so you just when you train a network you you choose certain passes certain connections you strengthen them you make you give them higher priority and that's how you how you teach the 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 system and that's how you you can use it later on so that's basically all you need to know about about uh, the artificial intelligence but whether whether it's uh, whether it will be different when you put higher priority for different nodes—that's uh, like some people are more in, more important than the others. That's uh, that's a different that's a slightly different story.
0: I'd love to go back to you know you mentioned um, your childhood briefly. Um, I know that you're religious as well, and 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 you know that is very much considered a network. Do you, do you feel you have a network? in your faith and also do you think that that was a comfort to you when you felt that you lacked a network oh definitely but
2: also I um I literally um I mean am not sure if this is a great subject for the podcast but um but um but I uh I very much I sort of rested my existence on this really because, um, because I literally, I had this picture that was by my bed. I was literally talking to the children about this yesterday and they all got a bit kind of like alarmed and sort of started staring at their plates. <laughs> but, um, um, uh, yeah, I had this picture and I talked all the time to this picture and, uh, and it was a, it was a very kitschy picture of, um, I think she's called Margaret Atwood, no, it's not Margaret Atwood, but anyway, a different artist, so sort of Margaret something. And it was a picture of um uh all things bright and beautiful with the words written out. And I'm sure that most of my work is based on, on this, on my relationship with this picture when I was a child. And um uh and I talked to I suppose, yeah, my I talked to myself and uh, it made me feel like there was a reason to live you know that I had to kind of live up to these standards and then but in a really nice way I felt like that system as it were um, loved me and that therefore it would be all right in the end and that um, that I that I did have some backup as it were, whereas I just felt uh, so lonely. And so, and now um, uh, I don't, uh, who do I talk to about my faith? Uh, No one really, but it's just there for me. So I read books and, um, and, uh, and when I went, um, and uh, uh, thanks to this, 10th thing, this uh, this 10th thing that really did sort of change my sort of life. I went around and met lots and lots of people who had a very strong faith and um, felt a real sense of brotherhood and network with those people, actually, I think, much more than maybe with other people, being also um, fairly shy um, and it being quite an intimate subject. It's not one that I ever really kind of bring up with people who aren't sort of advertising themselves as people who I could talk to about that. So when, for example, my, um, when my tent went to, um, St. Paul's Cathedral, I met, um, really amazing, um, uh, two amazing, I mean, they were all amazing there, but, uh, two amazing priests who I really talked to. Most deeply about my existence and my faith and so on. And it, that was a turning point too in my, um, in my feeling supported and, um, and underwritten as it were in this world and made me feel more strong to go out and do other things. Like even this podcast, you know, which, um, is, Uh, started out just, uh, as a sort of fun, uh, project. But to be able to have the kind of, um, to think, yeah, actually, let's do it and don't be shy and don't, um, hesitate too much and, uh, don't hide your light under a bushel, as it were, comes from, comes from that. Because in, in my nature, I, I really do think sometimes I could spend, you know, 18 hours a day in my studio drawing and then go and (laughs) see my kids and
0: that would be enough for me you know I'd love you to explain the tent project when you when you've um because for the listeners for the context because that's really important so they can understand how that came about and but the tent project is actually how I met Kostya who has
2: become a really um important friend for me because again with this tent I made I made the tent, but then I didn't really need to talk about it, and I only really talked about it with about three people, and one of them was Costia uh, actually, and that's where this everything is connected project came from. The tent um, is a is an artwork called "Am I My Brother's Keeper," which is in Spain at the moment, <clears throat> and which um, uh, it's an immersive installation made out of a tent. That was given to me by the UNHCR, the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. And um, uh, it's one of those desert tents that they drop out of aircraft and um, uh, in emergencies for people who have have literally just become refugees. So if you're if you're literally on the run um, and got nowhere to sleep. Um, then quite often these these tents uh, <laughs> dropped out of the sky for you to live in and it was a tent that had been lived in by a family for uh, about a year and a half a family of uh, the man wrote his name on the front of it it's called he was called Abu Tame, which means father of Tame. And, uh, and I went around, um, uh, refugee camps in the Middle East, um, talking with people about, um, home and identity and what, if anything, they'd learned about being a human being from losing their home and their identity. So, um, these were people who'd had very strong, actually, um, systems and networks, um, And everything had been taken away, and I thought it was quite a um, a good way to evaluate the importance of um, a concrete home and identity. Um, Would be to talk with somebody who'd had their home and identity literally just uh, had vanished from their from their life. These people suddenly find themselves with literally nothing and nothing to do, they can't work, uh, uh, living in a strange place. And um, these people who I spoke to, uh, most of them at, uh, at great length over a period of, I suppose, all in all, this temp project took me about two or three years to make and um and taught me actually <laughs> since we're talking about them the importance of systems and networks that can be highly individual such as for example having a strong individual faith has got nothing to do with um meeting other people in a in a in a in a temple or uh, or synagogue or a uh, church it's it's really about you and and yourself and, um, and so it taught me about systems of, that we have inside ourselves, um, uh, that, uh, core to every human being, like, um, you know, every human being throughout time, throughout, history throughout any society um ask themselves questions about their about their faith um about their family about science about life and death they uh, we all observe nature we all lie out in the grass or or sand and uh look at the moon and the stars and um and it uh, this project i suppose taught me how much well, it underlined to me how much I love human beings and how much I, I think inside of each and every one of us, we have very strong systems and networks that are core to every one of our beings. As Kostya was saying earlier, that has nothing to do with morality or ethics or society or, um, but, but something that's innate within us and that we can choose to um see life as we uh, you know our life is what our thoughts make it as marcus Aurelius says that was a bit the conclusion of this of this artwork difficult to have a life without any systems or networks. And and inside refugee camps, there's uh, very strong systems and networks that, that, in the refugee camps that are actually organized by the United Nations and uh, and other aid organizations. And in fact, I met this wonderful girl who became a very good friend of mine too, called uh, Farah Madiani, who had designed an uh, Azraq camp. She was your age, and she had been working in Hollywood for um, movies. She was working on Star Wars, and uh, you know, uh, doing locations for um, for huge sort of big budget Hollywood movies, and uh, doing sets and uh, locations, and um, all to do with desert and the sand and things like that. And then she had um, seen that there were all these problems in in Syria and she's a quarter Syrian, I think. And she gave up her job and went back to, she went to Jordan, where she'd been born, and uh, got a job at the UNHCR, the High Commission for Refugees. And she literally designed a city, you know, (laughs) Um, it started, Azraq camp started out, there were six families. And in the end, uh, at one point there was something like 350,000 people living in this camp that um that she sat down and on a piece of paper drew and drew out all of the networks so the electricity the different uh, there were 12 different sort of quartiers uh she she drew out where the schools would be where the hospitals would be where the uh, offices of the different aid agencies would be um, different community centers, shopping. There was, there's like a sort of shopping arcade that they call the Champs Elysees. And this, this, I mean, to me, obviously, uh, Anna, you're a child. Just, <laughs> you know, this girl, you know, had, had just, you know, created, uh, out of the desert, um, uh, all the systems and networks for a fully functioning city that went from, from i think in the space of 3 months they built this city and uh, yeah so it it also teaches you a lot about what what do you need what's the bare minimum you know um uh all these different um weird things about sharing costure so um uh where for example if you if a company gives soap to a refugee camp <clears throat> uh and and there's i don't know Two hundred thousand units in this camp um but there's only one hundred and fifty thousand um bars of soap they can't give the soap because it has to be everything has to be given out fairly yeah <laughs> and so there's uh, so, so there's all sorts of um really interesting uh subjects like 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 that that um that come up so you'd you'd be I, you'd be in sort of, I suppose, in a state of disarray, and I can't believe that there's all this and this. But they, we can't give out the bicycles from the Dutch government, for example, um, because there there aren't enough for everybody in the camp to give. So we just have to keep them in storage or, or send them when we get enough money to send them to a smaller camp where there is enough for everybody to. So all, all of these really interesting sort of uh, weights and balances that there are in the creation, I suppose, of an, of a new society. Whereas we all live in quite old societies, ancient societies even. And so we don't, we don't think about those small details. Although, you must have done costure when, when you were a child, seeing your mother uh, queuing for things, and um, I'm sure
1: that queues, cues is something which both British and and uh, people from Soviet Union know know how to how to deal with. <laughs>
2: yeah. I love a good queue. One, I it's one really thing fun. in common. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh that's a that's a one dimensional <laughs> network so it's uh, is, uh, is a a yeah. perfect is a perfect model for a network kate but um <laughs> it looks like this uh today uh podcast turns into a interrogation of kate i'm 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 really curious if you're not comfortable just just blink and Anna will ask the, the next question so but uh <laughs> but uh when when we talk about religion church is a network but religion religion is very personal is it is it still a network for you
2: uh i i didn't go to church for a very long time um uh and so f- for me uh the, the network of the church i haven't i haven't really kind of gotten into that we i used to take the children to church when we were when they were very small and there was a network there in that um, there was an old lady, for example, who uh, fell and uh, and another person came and asked me if I would pick her up and bring her to church on Sunday mornings. And so I, I suppose that was the sort of uh, idea of a network. But I never... Um, because I was there with very small children, and it was a very early morning <laughs> service, um, the I suppose the sort of if you mean social network um, wasn't really um, any kind of an aspect of of it that I understood. There was a, a priest who who I really loved, who was a great sort of theologian. And a very, very uh, dear friend, and he, um, and he died. And after he died, and then I went, um, I stopped, uh, I stopped going to church for uh, for a long time, um, and I only started going to church again after with St Paul's, actually. So that
1: network, the material
2: like, network, as it were. It's the church's manifestation. My faith's manifestation in the material world for me is in books. And also, I see, I see, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I see the, the spirit of love that, and light that animates the universe, in my opinion. All around me, I see it in the, a nice lady who just gave me a fruit salad in my hotel and uh, in the, you know, the dolphins in the sea and the sort of, I don't know, well, everything really. It, that network is, I suppose, for me, the strongest network in in, in my life, but it's not a real network.
1: So it's, not mean, the it <laughs> network. it's, the, it's more the church network, it's more a creation network rather than a church network, right?
2: yeah there's the 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 church for me um uh is is as is as good as the as the priest who's associated it with with it really for for me and it's a good thing for for me personally to go to church um when i can kind of get around to it uh when i make the time to get around to it um because if there's a good sermon it reminds me of lots of things that i kind of might forget during the week like because of course you know naturally I am this very sort of you know selfish uh (laughs) unreliable disappointing person and so it's quite good to go go to go to church and and uh and, and get <laughs> and get reminded of, you know, sort of, um, uh, uh, of, of things that, that are really important. Um, but, but I do, I read quite a bit about it. I'm reading a book, actually. Um, <laughs> this again it's like got nothing to do with networks, but I'm reading this book, um, about translating the Bible from Aramaic. Um, oh, right. That's interesting. and, um, and I was thinking, I would, I've been thinking about, about it a lot because of our necklace project, um, course, you, you know, which is part of this big everything is connected project, Anna, that is the root of this podcast. But, um, uh, the Aramaic language is a code. It's, um, and the words are actually a sort of loosely connected network of uh ideas that that you as the reader can piece together into uh into a language that almost it's a sort of you project yourself into the code and receive back a mirror of yourself in a funny kind of way it's a very very loosely constructed psychological language um and uh and it's a fascinating book by the way it says things uh, because of course the bible as you know was translated from the aramaic into uh greek and then from greek into latin so the origin of the words has been a bit lost right so even something for example as central to um a lot of kind of church uh, religious belief you know quote unquote like for example the concept of sin you know people go on and on about sin and you're a sinner and da-da. it's um there isn't concept for sin in Aramaic, and the uh, early Bible. When you look at the actual text, the, the, there's no concept of sin at all, and the, what it's a mistranslation of an of an idea of uh, being temporarily um, uh, having lost your path. So oh it's goodness. not even an idea that. So, so it's not even an idea that you've walked off your path or that you've lost the path. It's that you've strayed from the path, and so. Oh my um, So this idea yeah. of sin and
0: punishment and all these things yeah. are, are very much. There's
2: no idea of that at all in the Aramaic Bible, and it's much closer to my. It's very weird reading this book because I've always understood the Bible texts as being. The way that they are in this book, but um, but the Aramaic Bible is uh, is something that um, it, you'd be hard pressed not to um, kind of love because it's it's uh, it's uh, it's about it's about how everything is connected. In fact, Costure.
1: that's that's, <laughs> that's that's really interesting, Kay, because we're quite in sync now because. The, the very logger for this, uh, for this podcast are those two interlinked books, which yes. is one of, one of which is the annotated Bible. So it's, uh, it's like three times thicker than, than the usual Bible. And because of the, of my move last week. So I basically broke it down and I disentangled them. And, and I'm just, I'm just reading it through while well, it's reading is a bit of a, um, uh, strong words are basically open at more or less random page and start and start reading mostly commentary. So it's, it's the, is the commented, Bible and it's, uh, it's many more comments rather than, rather than the, the Bible itself. So it's quite, I, a, Who's I agree. On it? It's, I think it's the it's it's the Oxford edition, so it's it's the uh, it's the collection of uh, it's a group of Oxford professors. It's it's quite an old. Uh, I think it's the beginning of the century book, so it's it's quite an old one.
0: Just gonna, I'm going to politely steer this to you, Question. I'm going to shine the light on you now and say, can you talk to us about scientific networks because there are a lot of them. I've got some written down, but I'm fairly sure that you could probably describe a few yourself you don't need me to do that but yeah can you describe <laughs> your, the way that you operate your scientific network and and how maybe science operates in its networks because this is a whole topic in itself
1: well it is uh, and of course science uh, is never is never done uh alone by or uh, by by single individuals e- even though we see that we we assign the the breakthroughs to particular people uh, to a particular scientist. It's of course, as Newton said, we are standing on the on the shoulders of the of the giants, right? And you always can trace some of the ideas to 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 works of uh, of of other people. And what is interesting and um, exciting is that very often similar bright ideas they they come. To different people, more or less simultaneously at the at the same time. So it means that uh, for me it looks like there is a network of ideas which just wander around and then uh, strike uh, at 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 certain places. And people, I mean, of course, it's, you need a very bright mind for for a discovery. But in fact, we just we just carriers. Of ideas, or just uh, we just express ideas which are which are out there uh, uh, in the in the network. So in that sense, when we praise people for discovery, uh, it's uh, it's of course true that uh, lots of people made made important contribution. But in fact, this background is uh, is is very very important as well and it's uh, this the this network uh is extremely important and, and you never know which pull of a string uh would trigger this the, this discovery so you just hear something in a conversation and it just promotes a new a new line of thought
2: do you sometimes feel when you're working costume that um that you're just a sort of vehicle for information to pass through.
1: Well, of course, you you don't think about uh, about yourself this way, but when you when you look back and uh, and and uh, in the in the retrospective, you would sometimes see that yes, it was a natural uh, evolution of uh, of thoughts, and it would uh, it would. Uh, I'm sure that if if not came to to my mind, there would be a year a year later or sometimes later. It, it would the same idea would come to 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 someone else. So in that sense, I feel that the knowledge, the the the, the production of knowledge is uh, is just is it's like a river from from which we are just. Pulling and we and we are boats inside of this inside of this river and and it's uh, it just going it with with its own pace and we and we are picking up things uh, from it. So in a sense, yes, you're probably right. So we are we are weak, although of because. No scientist would ever admit that we are only vehicles in the in the in the in, in the natural development of, of things.
2: But thinking about your analogy of the river and you're the boat on the river, sometimes I feel like, and it was one of the things that um, uh, talking to some of your colleagues cost you. Do you remember when I had to go and uh, I literally had to sit down because I, my brain went into overdrive and I couldn't stand on my feet anymore because. So- <laughs> someone was explaining to me about about um applying science to uh enable people to see different um dif- to, to literally see different planes of consciousness yeah and um and so uh there was this there was this idea of uh some kind of a Windscreen. Do you remember Costia? Can you explain it? And, and, and it had a, a filter over the, over the, over the windscreen that would allow you to see, uh, that would allow you to see everything that you saw from the driver's seat in different, uh, in a different reality. So, uh, it would be, I can't remember. One, one could be, for example, heat sensitive. Another, um, picked up the molecular density of, Things that were ahead of the of the car, um, another picked up the, the the distance away. So all of the it sort of took apart the different the many different systems and networks that we have operating and planes of consciousness that we each have inside our heads, uh, working concurrently, and that we process and uh, and and form into one. Uh, perception, this this scientific application separated them all and so that you could choose to see through one lens. Isn't that right, Kostya? Well,
1: okay, uh, I think you are, so yeah, I understand what, what you're talking about and uh, the, so the, it's basic, it's the, uh, it's at the basis of the uh, um, autonomous cars and the, and Machine vision, which you can make in in different parts of the spectrum, so you can make th- things to 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 look uh, in the infrared where we are not sensitive, or you can pick up uh, sound, or you, you you can pick up uh, some uh, uh, maybe pressure, and then you just bring together all those all those signals, and you and you create a more uh, more complete picture of uh, of the of the surrounding around uh, around your car so uh, in the basics we we do we do this all the time so if you look at the pictures of the of of uh, faraway galaxies you would some of them are are taken in the in X-ray, some of them are taken in the infrared, and you can you when you combine those, you would see many more things around about the galaxy rather than just simply looking with your with your naked eye. So which is sensitive to only to a very very small part of the spectra. So and the question is, can we? Because we are we're used to look at things in uh, in 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 other areas of the electromagnetic spectra so that's what we do uh, routinely uh with uh, in our experiments but for this driverless car so can should you the question is should you add other other dimensions as well like as you as you said sound or 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 or, or pressure or anything now so vibrations maybe
2: but don't you think maybe that um if there's all these different layers of perception and different planes of consciousness um, that um, that that what makes life i suppose maybe perhaps the really memorable or magical moments or discoveries in life and maybe when we kind of slip into another plane for a bit and then kind of report it back into our usual plane and isn't that something that we're all looking for even when we get into a conversation with someone like isn't that what's so interesting like talking to another person and then you know if I show you I don't know what like this you know and I can't show it to you is that thing (laughs) which isn't very interesting you know what does it make you think of you know it's
0: just Fascinating, listeners. That was a. I think that was an earphone case. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's uh, how our consciousness uh, combines those those things in in the inside of our brain. We don't know still. How
0: does your scientific network work, Kostya? You were talking about this earlier, and it's so interesting that the the networks that you have on a particular project, for example. And I know there's things you can and cannot say to do with this, but. In a, as a scientific kind of collaboration and network can you talk a little bit about
1: well that? it's a, I think it is very it's very important to have a network to have someone to to talk with because uh, so that's what uh, that's when we pronounce things out out loud it just it feels different and you pick up many many more uh, ideas rather than when you sit and and, and and only think it internally. Uh, in your brain and that's why you really uh, try to create uh, a network of people with whom you can talk immediately and it's more it's actually more important if they're right next to you because the ideas come instantaneously so you just you need to walk into 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 their office and and talk and it's uh, it's it's really it's extremely important and and uh, if you have People from different backgrounds on the same floor, to uh, which uh, when you can walk in and start start talking and ask, please find a, 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 a mistake in my line of thought. That's it. It would be very. It's. Uh, it's really the key for scientific, for scientific collaboration. Um, these days, because it, it helps that, that you can pick up Skype and, uh, and call people and, and discuss, but still uh, the, just breaking this barrier and being able to walk into, into someone else's office is, uh, is, uh, is priceless.
2: Yeah, and this whole thing about like social media and people sort of saying, "Oh well, <laughs> people don't need to talk t- to see one another anymore." I mean, we've just had this lockdown, and everyone's been sort of self-isolating in their families and so on. And um, and I don't know how you all found it, but but I don't think that seeing someone on a screen is a good sub. Is a is a is an adequate substitute for actually seeing someone because there's always this idea of you know like a sort of sword of Damocles kind of hanging over the conversation which is that the person's going to hang up and I know of course when you go and see someone it's going to come to an end as well but but it's so real and it you're so in the present when you're actually uh, with somebody um uh, people don't
0: sporadically walk away in the middle of a conversation do they (laughs) if you're Mm -hmm. just having a conversation with them
2: yeah. And so I was wondering, Kostya, so um, when you're talking about ideas with your um, uh, colleagues and acquaintances, um, so for example, Kostya was saying that last night he had a big conference across uh, – not conference, but like across th- a meeting across three continents with different scientists talking about his artificial intelligence project. Do you feel, Kostya, that if you had all been in the same room – would the fact that, no doubt, at sort of at some point somebody would have gotten out a bottle of Crimean wine and <laughs> and ordered a pizza, might have um, might have changed and perhaps deepened that conversation? Or is that? Do you feel that, um, or do you, do you not feel that? Do you feel a different thing?
1: I'm sure it would be much better because. Calling someone an idiot over Zoom is a bit, uh, is a bit, <laughs> well, like, it's, it's a bit low probably, but when someone, when you're able to jump up and take a, pick up a piece of chalk and demonstrate that someone is an idiot, then it's, uh, it's, uh, you have much more, much more truth in it, right? So it, it doesn't have the same <laughs> thrill there. So yeah,
2: yeah. It's we have, we, we, of have,
1: we had days. several we had several. I mean, there the, the, the were uh, a breadth of the of of different uh, of different talks. So um, many were m- most the, the majority were very. I, I would say all of them were were very good, and and yet I could I I, I could sense that some of my. Colleagues, so especially theorists from uh, former Soviet Union, so who uh, are quite renowned for uh, for such such expressions. So from time to time, they were ready to jump and say, "Okay, so have you checked this and have you checked that? And so you, you should have thought about that. And before you you done it, it's, it's complete rubbish. And that's why we love it. So it's, it's actually." It's just uh, calling some strong words and some, so sometimes make make the conversation um, uh, m- much more th- smoother.
0: My final question to you both, because I think it's so important that we cover it It's a huge part of our lives now, uh, our social networks. And I I don't know how active either of you are. Well, I know, Kate, you are active on social media. Um, I am active on social media, both for our jobs, really. But let's talk about social media and networks and social networks and the, the online networks that we now have.
2: Well, firstly, Kostya has got a fantastic um, uh, Instagram.
1: Oh, you know what? I mean, uh, I, mean I do have... I'm
2: going to follow you now. An Instagram, He's much but more I, socially networked
1: it, than I am. He does
0: much well, more ca- often, yeah, you know,
1: more beautiful yeah, ca- images. Kostya, what's true, your handle, so please?
0: I'm going to follow you now, I'll,
1: live. I'll you, I'm not even sure what it is. Actually, One 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 picture today, but I I, I hardly call it a social network because no. <laughs> uh, I mean it's uh, it's it's more because I think my pictures are so are so beautiful and I'm, I'm happy when all five of my followers uh, uh, <laughs> raise their <laughs> just so and for me it's more it's it's again it's a, it's a network and um, I feel actually it feels good when when other people, uh, say that yes it's uh, it's uh, it, it's a nice picture because I know uh, deep inside that one picture is nice and when one picture is not nice but for some reason I don't know why I need an approval of the of the network and it's uh, I, I don't think it is logical because logically I know that the that picture is good but it is some some deep nature that we need approval of the community of the network uh, and for me it's more it's more research into into our our mentality so why why we need why we are so dependent why we're so unsure about about ourselves why are we so dependent on those networks
0: well social structures and and being uh quote unquote you know socially appropriate is an evolutionary thing, right? Like we need to fit into society, otherwise we're outcasts. And then if we're outcasts, we don't get shelter or food or all those things. So fitting in becomes part of why we exist. Do you think it's dangerous though to, to, to open yourself up to the quote unquote approval of the
1: world? Well, I think it is, you need to be, if you uh, create social network, you need to be strong because any any network requires work. So there is no, you cannot be part of a network and not accept its rules. And when you accept rules, you, you have to be prepared to, to limit yourself in uh, just to give up and surrender some of the, some of your, of your privileges. You get some privileges, but you have to surrender some others. And, um, you need to understand this balance and you need to, be prepared to to make a conscious decision uh to step out of this of this network and if the if the network is such that it that you cannot that you are so weak that, that you cannot step out of it I think it's uh that's when the the danger appears. I, I can close my Instagram tomorrow that's uh, or today so that's not a problem at all. I'm sure I can I can survive without that easily so but um i would be i would i would really start worrying about it if i if i if i won't be able to do to do so
0: do your girls have social media
1: uh not that i know of
0: (laughs) kate what about you
2: um for me uh social media uh i have an instagram account i put a picture on it, I guess, I don't know, every three weeks or so. I look at it every day. Um, mostly, mostly, I, I follow really interesting... Kate, okay, sorry,
1: I, I don't understand. It. If you put a picture once every three weeks, why do you look at it every... every yeah, oh, yeah, because I feel day. I have
2: to put a picture in order to be able to look at other people's pictures. I feel like that's kind I, of...
1: You, you should, you <laughs> she has to pay the in, personal in some tax. ...some other people's <laughs> picture, all right? Yeah, i yes, I only I'm only interested in mine, so just...
2: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, no, I look because I'm really interested in, uh, I follow all these incredible, um, people on Instagram. And, uh, and I've recently got really into following, um, mushroom growers. <laughs> and, um. Niche? <Leech>. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite that's, neat. You know, okay? That's another
1: network. You know how how mushroom grows, right? So that's a it's a, yeah. it's a huge networks. <laughs> yeah. Very timely. Okay. I'm sure you you were you were preparing for this podcast very seriously. <laughs> 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 Subscribe for the <laughs> mushroom <Marshall> network.
2: <laughs> but, but mostly, actually, social media makes me personally half. Inspired and, uh, and thrilled to see all these amazing things that people are doing. But then also, almost, you know, every other time I put down my social media and think, gosh, I'm really like useless and um you know my children don't have matching t-shirts and uh and I wasn't invited to that place and look at that person they're so talented and I'm not and and so I think that um on the whole uh social media doesn't make me feel good so i i look at it for about 5 minutes a day and uh well, and always look at costumes with great interest because they're so trippy yours is a really trippy instagram by the way
1: so th- so that's <laughs> you, you see that's the uh, the network the instagram network is stable and makes you happy with this horizontal the, one, the moment you get really bright bright guys who go to good restaurants or to, who know everything about mushrooms so then it's tough it, it to be dangerous no
0: that's a very valid point Kostya I'm gonna we're gonna have to I mean I oh got I feel like I personally could talk about social media for hours not because lot because I love it but because I have a very complicated relationship with it as I think most people do which is that
1: I think we need a separate episode on. this yeah
0: because you're yeah, comparing yeah. yourself you're not just comparing yourself to the lives of six billion people, you're comparing yourself, your, your low light reel to the highlight reels of six billion people. And you are constantly going to be not the best at anything, not the brightest, not the funniest, not the richest, not the prettiest, all these things. And I think it's very dangerous to open yourself up to comparing yourself to that many people. I struggle when I compare myself to one person in my life. Comparison is, is the thief of joy in my life sometimes. And I just think that it's it's very difficult when we as a society are used to smaller networks where we are the best at something that we have a best chef. You know, we're used to we should quote unquote be living in society of a hundred people or less is what we were our brains can kind of cope with, apparently. But I just I think social media has a lot of dangers. I'm gonna ask you for your closing thoughts because we are pushing an hour now. So thoughts on networks to sum
1: up. Well, when we started, I thought it's such a boring topic how can we feel in an <laughs> hour and we and we and we could uh, couldn't stop so I think it was quite an exciting and one of the funniest episodes so far <laughs> yeah
2: and uh, and I suppose at the at the end of the day our network and so on is our friends and family and we're very fortunate if we can choose wonderful people to hang out with and and um, and that's a, that's a really wonderful thing about free will, isn't it? Is that we, we, we choose to include in our network. And if we're lucky, they choose us back.
1: <laughs> the reciprocity of networks is really a good subject as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. there's so much we could talk about but that is unfortunately all we've got time for on this topic today but we would like to connect with you so please do reach out and chat to us we've got an email address wonderchaospodcast at gmail.com you can write your suggestions for us your questions if you just want to chat to us that's also fine too thank you so much for listening to wonder chaos and we will see you again soon goodbye goodbye goodbye